We will act him on the stages. We will act him on the screen. Adrian Scarborough is once again bringing us his Winston Churchill. Aid, is it a thrill to return to the role of a of an Englishman's lifetime? I think so. Yes, I think as a character actor, one gets to a certain point where it becomes de rigueur, really, to um, take him on. Yes, everybody should. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 866, Adrian Scarborough's Churchill. Our friend Adrian Scarborough plays Winston Churchill in the Donmar Warehouse production of Jack Thorne's new play, When Winston Went to War with the Wireless, about Great Britain's general strike of 1926 when the only sources of news were the government's The British Gazette, edited by the young Chancellor of the Exchequer Winston Churchill, and the independent fledgling British Broadcasting Company a year or two before the BBC became the British Broadcasting Corporation. Aid spoke to me on his only night off about playing the great man, and I told him that I was surprised when I saw on IMDb that it's not the first time he's played him. Uh, yes, but the uh, you shouldn't really count the first time that I played him because it was in a terrible documentary, uh, which was all about Churchill, and all I had to do really was sit... I had to sit on a train um, and be filmed looking studious on mm. a train, and uh, I think I had to do a bit from his diary at the, ti- uh, at the start of the Second World War. Um, so and it was all written down for me so I didn't even have to learn it it was just there on an idiot board and uh, and I literally had to sort of look into the camera and sort of say it in a sincere way but something so, some terrible catastrophe had befallen the house I can't quite remember what it was now you know the shed had fallen down or something like that and uh I was sitting there and my agent phoned and just sort of said, um, they want you to play Churchill and it's this amount of money. And I just kind of went, yeah, go on then. <laughs> I'll do that. But this is a, a a brand new world premiere play by Jack Thorne, who is by God having a moment between his Harry Potter play and his new play about Richard Burton and Gielgud. Yes. Yes. Which is very, very good. But also, I mean, Jack is... Jack's been doing lo- lots and lots of screen work and um, some of which you might not know about because he doesn't always put his name to it. So mm. um, there have been Star Wars films that uh, he's been part of that nobody really knows about, uh-huh. um, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, lots of big projects. He's he's very in demand and a very popular. So obviously this is different. This is a different experience playing Winston Churchill. What does it feel? What does it feel like to play a, a national hero whose reputation is seen seems to be constantly undergoing review? What's very uh, wonderful about this play is that it's set in 1926, when Churchill was only sort of 54, 
And so it's not the Churchill that we all know and love. He's considerably younger than we shall fight them on the beaches and Second World War prime minister and, you know, sort of coming out of the 30s and into the 40s. Um, so uh, that allows you a certain degree of, um, well, you can kind of cheat a bit. But having said that, I did say to the, our director, Katie Rudd, um, you know, we kind of need to give the audience what they've come to see. Mm -hmm. So we do get a cigar. Um, we do get a rather pronounced bottom lip. And we get, you know, a, well, lots, you know, lots of, <laughs> lots of me bustling about, really. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you do any dicta give any dictation from the bath? There's no dictation from the bath, but there's quite a lot of uh, shouting. We do quite a lot of shouting. And do you do, and um, do you do your own lip work, or do are prosthetics involved? No, I do my own lip work, and um, yes, but the key to the whole thing, my, um, I had this fantastic accent coach who is completely, I, I mean, she works with the stars and, you know, everybody. She's completely wonderful and very, very brilliant. And, uh, and, and she said, there's always a key. There's always a way in. And um, it's a really, really, you know, wonderful and lovely thing. So she got me saying things like, um, every time he says responsibility or anything that's got eyes in it, it's responsibility. So you've got to pronounce lots and lots of lovely I's. Uh, and all of his A's are E's. So mm. you say, rather than saying, I had, you say, I had. H-E-B. Oh. So you get a head. Um, yes. Uh, so there's lots of that sort of thing. Um, we shall fight them on. Yes. Uh, some of his speeches are really well worth listening to as well. I did lots of research, sort of. Do, uh, I read uh, My Early Years, which is a very good biography um, of his time uh, at Sandhurst and then going over to India and Cuba and wow. um, the Boer War, the end of the Boer War. Um, and also, he never got hit. He never got hit by a bullet. Nobody ever, nobody ever did any damage to him. The only injury he ever sustained in combat was when he landed for the Anderman campaign um, on a boat, on a quay. He reached up to grab a rope and dislocated his shoulder. Wow. <laughs> um, which sort of haunted him for the rest of his days. But uh, he never actually, you know, he never actually got any bullet wounds or anything like that and apparently when he uh, after um gallipoli after the disaster that was gallipoli when he was first lord of the admiralty he went to he gave up his position uh because he was he resigned essentially and just sort of said i've made such a terrible cock up i think it's time that you sent me to the front so that's what he did and he got put in charge of a battalion and all of the guys used to say if we're going over the top, whatever you do, stay as close to Churchill as you possibly can, because he never gets hit, and he never did. So they all sort of, they all stood behind him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he was sort of their shield, you know, amazing, really. I mean, he did have an amazing life and career. 
were there, uh, and of course, all the research and all the other films and all the uh, many actors who've played him are are nothing uh, if if they don't fit the text that you've been given and the story of this play. Are there new things you've discovered in just in just adhering to this particular tale of Winston Churchill? Well, what's very good about Jack's script is that it moves apace. It really, really cracks on. And what we've discovered is that you have to speak very... It's, it's all about... Perhaps I should put it into some sort of context in that it's all about uh, the BBC and the government in the middle of the general strike of 1926, where basically... Um, in order to help the miners, the Trades Union Congress in this country agreed to a general strike across the board. So the only people who continued to work were sort of ambulance men, sanitary services, the police, but all transport, all heavy industry, uh, newspaper, wow. printing, all essentially came out in support of the miners. And basically what happened was that the you know the government went into conflict and it was 11 days long and basically churchill thought that it would be a really really good idea to use the bbc which had only recently been set up in the last 3 years and was basically he wanted to use it as the government's mouthpiece for spreading you know the government's word point of view propaganda absolutely and it has been used in that way ever since and struggled very very hard with its partiality so that's what the play is about but it's also about rhetoric and it's about the way in which the spoken word is used to influence people's opinion Uh, so the way that jack has written it is that it's incredibly verbal and verbose uh, and what we've discovered is that you you just have to get on top of some of these big speeches and sentences and really, really go for them um, and speak them very, very quickly and very, very um, gymnastically uh, yeah. in order to kind of uh, make the arguments come alive. So that's been a real challenge and something that obviously, you know, after several glasses of wine the night before, might not be quite as good as you'd hope. <laughs> um, it, do you do you find your uh, training and experience with Shakespeare to be helpful in in working out this language? Heavens, yes. Uh, I mean, it's it's completely wonderful and brilliant to have uh, the bard on your side because you know I often use some of his speeches anyway as a warm-up because Mm. they're such fabulous tongue twisters. They really sort of get you warmed up and they get your teeth and your lips and your voice moving in all the right directions. Uh, Getting your mouth and lips around some of that language is just fantastic. You know, try saying to be or not to be at 340 miles an hour. And um, it it does the job. It's very, very useful. So, yeah. And there's yeah. bits of Shakespeare in the play as well, um, which is very, very good. What does the to be or not to be speech sound like with a protruding, protruding lower lip? To be or not to be, that is the question. 
whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing in them. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. <laughs> That's amazing. Hi, everybody. I'm Matt Walsh of the Upright Citizens Brigade, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company's podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? This week, we'll perform the complete history of comedy abridged four times in North Carolina at the Blumenthal Center in Charlotte on July 13th and 14th, and twice at Appalachian State University on July 16th, 2023. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Facebook page or Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Adrian Scarborough, who stars as Winston Churchill in the Donmar Warehouse production of Jack Thorne's new play, When Winston Went to War with the Wireless. Everything that you said about the play makes it feel very urgent and exciting, and I so wish I could get over there to see it. It also feels uh, 97 years later, very timely, with the issues of strikes, the issues of um, broadcast independence, the issues of government overreach. I mean, it, it, it ripped from today's headlines, it seems like, this play. It couldn't be more current. And the great, the extraordinary thing about it is that Jack actually wrote it before COVID mm. um, happened. So before the pandemic. And it just seems to have become more and more and more relevant with every passing year, really. I have a line in the very first scene of the play um, where I say, this country has a war debt. Uh, to get it back on its feet again will take careful fiscal rectitude. And if you, you know, supplement the word COVID for, uh, supplement the word war for COVID, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it couldn't be more relevant. All of, all of the themes of this play are extraordinary. Um, from an economic point of view, from a cultural point of view, certainly uh, from a strike point of view. I mean, everybody, our train drivers, our doctors, our nurses, our, you know, all of our NHS staff, our teachers are all clamouring for, you know, a raise in wages. And the world, well, certainly this country, in terms of... Um, its earnings feels about as uneven as it's felt in 150 years. It's yeah. extraordinary, really. Yeah. What was it like to go back to working on a new script um, after last year having written and acted in your own script when you were making changes? <laughs> What's it like going back and working with a new writer who's making you learn the changes now? Um, it's very, very hard. And it's more, I suppose the difference being was that I was in, well, A, I was in control in a sense of the writing, but also I knew the writing very, very well. Right. Whereas what I was confronted with on this play was Jack coming up with new stuff on quite a regular basis. And even in previews and before the opening we just continually trimmed and shaped 
this play and it was a huge unwieldy beast. I mean, we must have taken a good sort of 25 minutes out of it. Wow. Um, it was massive. And we've just trimmed and trimmed and adjusted and shifted scenes about and put them in different places. And so every day you came in was a bit of a challenge once we once we were up and running. It was pretty scary. I'm not really... I, I have said on several occasions since, I th I think me and new plays um, might have to part company for a bit. Or, or, or maybe new plays where where you're playing the the title role <laughs> yes ma yes actually that would be that would be a better way of looking at it yeah for sure uh, yeah. well and, and was he not um was uh, uh, i'm surprised jack was able to uh, make so many changes to your play because he has that other play about richard burton and gilgood going on at the national at the same time he does indeed he so he he had literally just well he hadn't even opened it when he started with us uh, he has a play called The Motive and the Cue, um, which, as you say, is about uh, Burton opening his Hamlet on Broadway, uh, which Gielgud directed. And it's about the relationship, the tussle of the relationship between the two of those uh, beer moths of the stage and screen. And, um, yeah, so he his head was very, very much uh, in in that space. But the amazing thing about Jack is that he, he he's all over it like a rash. I mean, he's in, he's in, uh, in as many places as he can possibly be, which is very, very wonderful. So he was sitting there in rehearsals most mornings um, when we were working this through. And if he wasn't there, he was certainly at the end of a text message so you could always sort of say, you know, how would it be if we chopped and changed this or moved mm. this about? Or could we have a new line for this particular moment? And he would respond very, very quickly most of the time. Um, yeah. And Motive and the Cue, of course, has been an enormous success with uh, Johnny Flynn playing uh, Richard Burton uh, very, very brilliantly and Mark Gatiss. Yeah. Uh, as Gielgud giving the performance of his career, I would say. Your it, old castmate, Mark Indeed, Gaines. yeah. And it really, I mean, it's so extraordinary to go and watch him fly in the way that he is. I mean, it really is one of those, you know, once-in-a-lifetime opportunities, I think, to inhabit a character that just sits so comfortably on your shoulders and in your mouth. And it, 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 it was just a absolute joy and a pleasure to sit and watch him i went about oh two weeks before we opened um i just thought a night off is called for and we we i i took my wife and we got a couple of tickets to see it and yeah it was absolutely it'll definitely make it to broadway no question about it well and for those of us stuck here stateside who can't get over to see you is there any uh, any th uh, threat danger possibility of your production getting filmed for NT live or moving uh we were talking about it actually we've had uh, a little bit of interest from channel 4 uh and the possibility of maybe them filming it but we also uh had um We've had people in from the BBC who I think would quite like to use it as a radio play, as an audio play, wow. because essentially it is also about the radio. Sure. It is about the wireless yes. uh, and the advent of 
radio technology in Britain. Um, so an awful lot of what happens on stage is accompanied by these Foley artists who are who make up members of the cast who are at the back who are constantly making sound effects to go alongside the action um but you see all of that happening so you see all of the foley being all of those sound effects being created in the most innovative and uh, imaginative of ways and it's a really really so it makes it a very uh, big visual feast um to sit and watch it yeah it's great so that would be a really interesting to have it as an audio project, I think. So, yeah, I think there are possibilities, definitely. Um, yeah, there's stuff afoot. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds. So stick around. Jack Thorne's new play, When Winston Went to War with the Wireless, runs at the Donmar Warehouse through July 29th, 2023, with our friend Adrian Scarborough starring as Winston Churchill. Go to donmarwarehouse.com for more information, then send us your Churchill impression via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. Or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on our own actual website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or visit my website, TheShakespeareans.com. Thanks, as always, to Chancellor of Clowning, Matthew Croak, Web Services by Ginger Power Limited, Music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Sarah J. Taylor. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Matt Walsh, co-founder of the Upright Citizens Brigade and co-star of Veep with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 866-2598 of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Aid, thank you so much for not only speaking to me, but giving us your winnie. Look, it's a great pleasure, and I'm very, very glad and happy to be here broadcasting to the nation from the UK. I wish you all a very good night. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.